Today we continue our sermon series that the words of Jesus produce in us the kind of faith that he seeks from us. Today, we hear Jesus using full-strength law, pointing people to the commandments of the Lord in order to strip away any self-reliance that we have or any faulty notion that we can be our own Savior to lead us to be completely dependent on him. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 27. A certain ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except one, God. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. I have kept all these since I was a child, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the ruler heard these words, he became very sad because he was very rich. When Jesus saw that the man became very sad, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, then who can be saved? He replied, what is impossible for people is possible for God. My dear family in Christ, a little two-year-old boy with the fixated concentration of a brain surgeon is turning a piece of candy around in his hand and he, he picks at the wrapper with his little fingers, but for the life of him, he can't figure out how to open that piece of candy. And so you watch him for a moment or two, kind of amused at how fixated he is, and then you extend an offer to help. Here, let me help you with that. And to your surprise, your kind offer to help is meant with a, a very sharp, no, I do it myself. Well, the truth is that we never really outgrow that defiant spirit of self-reliance. I can do it myself. We don't want to have to depend on anyone else. We figure that we're bigger than that, we're smarter than that, we're better than that. And there may well be some times in life when that's okay. For instance, if you're depending on everyone else to do everything for you and you're shirking your responsibilities, well then it's good for you to realize that there are some things you need to start doing for yourself. Times when you need to take some matters into your own hands, Times when you need to reach back for that toddler mentality and say, no, I do it myself. But friends, that is never the case when it comes to your spiritual life. That is never the case when it comes to getting into heaven. When it comes to having eternal life with the Lord, 
you know, there's that little voice inside of us that says even then, I can do it myself. That's what a rich young ruler once believed. He tracked Jesus down one day and told him so. He wasn't about to have to depend on anyone else to be right with God. All those commandments God has given, all these I've kept since I was a little boy, he said. Jesus loved him too much to not address that spirit of sinful self-reliance, and he loves you too much to leave you there too. And so Jesus gave us his words this morning to produce inside of us the kind of faith that he seeks from us. And today, he's speaking some words of full-strength law. Because the law produces total dependence. This man of our text is most often simply referred to by Christians as the rich young ruler, and that's based on descriptions of him given here in our text and in the parallel accounts from Matthew chapter 19 and Mark chapter 10. We aren't given his name ever, and maybe that's a good thing because what he was struggling with is a struggle for every single person on this planet. Well, this rich young ruler came to Jesus one day to ask him a question, and notice he addressed Jesus as good teacher. And Jesus, in response, asked him about that. Why do you call me good? And then Jesus reached for the law, and he used the law to remind that rich young ruler that no one is good except one, and that's God. Now, it's not that Jesus was denying that he is God. It's just that he wanted to lead this rich young ruler to know that, that Jesus isn't just good. He isn't just another religious teacher, that Jesus Christ is Lord and God. And so Jesus used the law to confront the rich young ruler. He told him, no one is good except one, God. And Jesus wants us to know that about ourselves too. There is no one who is righteous, not even one, the Bible says, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that none of us have inherently the moral perfection that we so desperately need. We can't do it by ourselves we need a perfection, a righteousness that's completely outside of us. But notice this rich young ruler asks what, I, what he has to do to inherit eternal life. Now that's a flawed question right from the start, isn't it? You don't do anything to inherit something. It's a gift that comes to you, a gift that was earned by someone else and is given you out of their great love for you as a gift. But okay, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Apparently, there was this, this little voice inside of this successful young man that told him that there was still something missing, still something that he lacked, and he figures if, if this teacher Jesus would just tell him what it is, well, then he'll go ahead and get it done. I imagine he was used to living that way. He's young, he's driven, he's successful. He's used to setting goals for himself and, and accomplishing them. Having asked the question, he leans into the response that Jesus gave. Jesus reached for the law. He pointed him to several of the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. 
honor your father and mother, gave him five of the Ten Commandments. And the whole while, this rich young ruler is going over them in kind of a, a mental checklist. Yes, I did that. Yep, I kept that one and, and that one. And when Jesus was through speaking, he reported to Jesus what he found inside of himself. He said, all these I have kept since I was a child. I can do it myself. Well, sir, no, you can't. Truth of the matter is, you haven't kept any of those commandments. Neither have I, nor have you. The law confronts us with our sinful disobedience. The Bible confronts us with the reality that in the eyes of God, you see, hatred is tantamount to murder. Lust is adultery. We steal from God whenever we don't use the time or the abilities or the wealth that he's given us in ways that honor and glorify him. We haven't always been truthful with ourselves or truthful with others. We have given false witness. We don't always honor and obey the people that God has placed in our lives over us in positions of authority, whether it's in the home, our parents, or in the government, or out in society. What I mean, friends, is that sin isn't just something we find out there. It's in here, inside me, inside of you in our own hearts and lives. But notice that instead of getting into an argument with this rich young ruler, Jesus reached for the law once again to cut even deeper because Jesus loved that man with a perfect love because Jesus wanted him to see just how much he needed Jesus to inherit eternal life. Jesus said, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then Come, follow me. Friends, do you see what Jesus is doing there? Instead of encouraging this rich young ruler to keep up the good work and to keep trying to pursue eternal life by all the good things that he does, instead of his pursuit of trying to save himself by his own good works, Jesus' goal was to get him to give up that pursuit altogether. So what does Jesus do? Well, first of all, he reminds them that no one is good except God alone. I can't do it myself. And then he pointed him to the commandments that prove that none of us are good, are good, that we all have sin in our hearts and lives. The commandments show us our sin. I can't do it myself. And finally, when the rich young ruler remained unconvinced, Jesus used the law to cut right straight to his heart. He hadn't kept all of the commandments. As a matter of fact, he hadn't even kept the very first one that says, you shall have no other gods. His wealth was his God. Jesus knew that. He read this man's heart. He knew that's what that man was living for. He was unable to bear the thought of living without his wealth, so he became very sad. Mark's account says that he went away grieving. He went away from Jesus grieving because he had great wealth. Look, it's not a sin to be wealthy. It's not that Jesus is calling on you to sell everything that you own and give it away to the less fortunate. He is warning us that loving our possessions 
or putting our trust in anyone or anything other than the Lord our God will keep us from ever having him. And friends, that's the purpose of God's law. To show us our sin. To show me that I have an absolute and desperate need for a Savior. To show you that you have an absolute and desperate need for a Savior. Because, see, contrary to popular thinking today, it takes a perfect record to live in heaven with God. Not being a good person, but being a perfect person. The Lord demands in Leviticus 19.2, you shall be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Jesus said in Matthew 5.48, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we say, but I'm not, Lord. I'm not perfect. In fact, nobody's perfect. I'm a sinner. Exactly. The law of the Lord strips away this delusion that I can do it by myself, that I can earn God's favor, that I can work my way into heaven. It leads me to despair of myself, to repent of my sins, and then along comes the wonderful gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And the gospel leads me to see that my utter and complete dependence has to be on Jesus and only Jesus. This rich young ruler couldn't see that. Wouldn't see that. He went away sad, unwilling to accept that his total dependence had to rest on Christ and not on himself. And even though he didn't learn the lesson that this good teacher used God's law to teach, there were others there who were listening in who did. And it led them to wonder out loud, well then, who can be saved? Listen, that's the question that a sinner asks when God's law has done its work in that person's heart. I mean, if it takes a perfect record to have eternal life, if we have to be perfect, then no one can be saved. Enter Jesus. He wants us to depend entirely upon him because he came to do for us everything that we could not do. And that's why Jesus replied, what is impossible for people is possible for God. Impossible for people. We could never scratch and claw or work our way into heaven or gain God's good favor by the things that we do. No matter how hard we try, I can't do it myself. But there's hope, certain hope for sinners like us, because nothing is impossible for God. And so the impossible happened. The Holy Spirit causes a young virgin to conceive. The eternal Christ, the Son of God, is born and placed in a humble manger. God takes on human flesh and blood. And then the sin of the entire world, past and present and future, washed away in the blood of Jesus, who paid our penalty when he died on the cross for the whole world. And faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was made alive in hearts that were spiritually dead. Sinners were made saints by the blood of Jesus. 
And now we are headed for heaven's eternal glory because nothing is impossible for God. And you and I are living proof of it. He saved a wretch like me through the blood of his son, Jesus. Let that news quiet that little voice inside of you that wants to take credit for a salvation that only can come as a gift from God to you. I mean, that little voice seems to make some sense. Why would God take a a gift so amazing as eternal life in his heaven and just give it away as a free gift without making us do at least a little something for it? Because he loves us so much, that's why. Because he knows that even the good that we do is still tainted with sin and can never be perfect. Because it's impossible to earn a place in heaven and because doing so is completely unnecessary because Jesus already did that for us. Depend completely on Jesus. Stake your eternal life on him. No, I do it myself. So, okay, you let the little boy struggle with a piece of candy for a couple of minutes. And when you see him getting really frustrated, you offer to help. Here, let me do that for you. And he shoves the candy in your hand and says, please. And the Lord Jesus is born to take your sin from you, to put it on himself to take it to the cross. And he opens up for you this amazing treat called everlasting life in a heavenly paradise because he knows that you could never get that heaven open on your own. And in his gracious love and mercy, he wraps you in his robe of perfect righteousness so that you stand holy and righteous before God. And he smiles at you. And he says, there, I've done it for you. Amen.